Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. In this episode, I talk to Professor Paul Sermon about his cybernetic art practice, the agency of the viewer in art as an active participant, and explore how art exists in our encounter with it. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Welcome, Paul, and uh, thank you for joining me today to talk about the role of perception in your art and and in your work, and I suppose in the, the role of art in perception. So um, before we start, I'd like to ask you, um, initially, how does your work redefine the way we encounter artwork? Hi, Caroline. Thank you. That's a good a good opener. I think one of the things I say about my artwork, because the nature of how, how it works, is that actually the audience of the artwork, um, I'm actually perhaps responsible for the potential for what happens uh, or the context of what occurs, because I, I, I create installations in, in galleries, in public spaces that are links between different countries and cities or towns. And they're, they're what I would describe as interactive video installations that require the presence of the audience within them, who are brought together, are composited, are mixed, are brought into the video experience or the video image. So I, done installations where I've set up um, kind of blue. I do a lot of work with a lot of blue screen or green screen, and I bring in audiences into a space where they occupy a shared location um, over video conference. And I combine them that they actually become, they actually become in their interaction or encounter with each other. They most definitely start to find a way to communicate with each other, to coexist in a space. I often create these kinds of installation environments that, that replicate kinds of domestic situations. They might be sofas or, or yeah, I've done installation with projections on beds, as, as you know, other pieces. But they might be, they're quite often they revolve around uh, use of green screen. And they're looking into a screen where they see themselves with other people and they see an opportunity to interact, to play and to to embody this other character on screen almost like what i would call this human avatar but to, just to, to sort of answer your question really they they are the art they are the artwork um without them there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any artwork it wouldn't exist it's really down to them um uh, creating the piece uh, and their interactions with each other and so would you describe that as one of the the chief components of your telematic, I think you call it telematic practice, is this element of the um, the viewer becoming the art and also a strong element of improvisation? Yeah, it, it's a it's a major part of my work. Um, I mean, I think really it's because I'm very interested in how um, and I, I struggle with the idea of art object or artifact because I'm, I'm very interested in the ideas that the the, the it, it is the 
the artwork is actually the experience is, is the experience it's the encounter we have um that's where that's where the art exists in, mm. in our experience of it um and our encounter with it um it's not it's not in, sort of completely imbued within within the object or the, the, the it's itself it's about the exchange that we we have with it and and i make that very very uh pronounced the core of what i do because actually it is the observation of the self that i'm that i'm very interested in oh so our perception uh of the artwork is and our behavior in response to the artwork becomes the artwork yeah i think it is it, it it's um it's the encounter with the with the other with with the with, with the other as or uh, as self that is the is the kind of um is the artwork we we experience mm. so i'm very interested in the idea of of of, of the view of the self um within my artwork becoming the the encounter that, that we're having so so it's rather like looking into you know looking into mirrors and, and questioning the sense of of whose whose hair am i brushing this morning you know mm -hmm. or who's they're they're very much they're, they're very phenomenological questions about um the sense of of presence and a sense of the 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 presence of of the not only the the, the the observer of the work but the participant or the, mm. the the intrinsic part within it the person that actually um makes the decisions about which way the work will go they're open-ended works mm. they're video pieces that are performances public performances um and they have a certain amount you know there's extreme uh, extreme uh, agency that mm. is really possible with this. They're very open-ended interactive pieces. They're artworks that I, I don't know how they're going to end. I don't know even know how they're going to start, but I can provide a certain context or a, 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 a sort of a, provide yeah, a context enriched experience where I sort of propose certain things or I go create a certain, certain amount of potential for something to come out of that. But I don't know as an artist what will come out. It could go in any direction. And I'm very happy for that. And that's what I that's, that's what I want. So, mm -hmm. so my role as an artist is not to see it to be is not the be all and end all of the experience with the artwork. It is it is a dialogue and it's to it's to initiate that dialogue and that exchange with with somebody else. Um, and to, and to let that go in any direction and that's there's a certain amount of risk in in that um but within the parameters of what i set up i'm confident that that the experience that comes out of it is one of um is one of empathy for the other yeah. because yeah. They, it is about they are they i should say that i worked with domestic spaces and they are intimate experiences um and there is a sense of coexistence and the coexistence of the other's experience as well. Well, um, I think I think what you're saying there, as for me as a performer listening to you, it's really exciting because you're blurring the lines between the audience and the performer and the and and the the, the story. You know, when you talk about 
agency and the actual it's the 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 audience are or the viewer is creating the performance creating the art i think that that's something that really is missing from western you know uh, uh, western art in terms of viewing uh artworks as objects of reverence uh viewing theater performances as in a reverential kind of way we can't speak we we have to be quiet we clap now all the audience's agency seems to be taken away you know mm. and i think there there is this dialogue that is always happening you know with a with a performer and the uh and the audience or the viewer but what you're doing is just so it's so exciting because of those blurred lines because of because you, you there, there's so much freedom you're allowing your viewer to create as you say to create the artwork i think it's it's mm. incredible and how did you how did you um start on this journey you, you i know you uh you studied fine art mm. and your art school professor Roy Ascot influenced. Can you tell us about him and his influence on your thinking and, and yeah. the development of your subsequent practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, I started my, my fine art, this journey, because it is a journey and, and mm. I, it's not, it's one that I've maintained and I'm still, to this day, reflect back on my experience as an undergraduate student and the learning that I had with Roy Ascot. And that's very much in embedded within what I still do today in my art practice today. So I studied back in 1985, I studied fine art in, in Newport in South Wales at Newport School of Fine Art. And um, I, it was quite an unusual art school, it has to be said, because Roy Roy Ascot had just become the the head of the school, and um, he was what he was uh, what people would describe as describe now or then perhaps as a cybernetic artist, an artist who was interested in in the ideas that the processes of of change, of flux, mm. the ideas of of um, of networks, of 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 a a, a collaborative consciousness of experience so he was very much um and he was really had vision because he talked he he was working in the in the us before he came to the uk and worked with another number of other other artists who were interested in computer networks before the internet even existed so there was some pro there were early on in the 80s or late 70s there were um what we call there were private um time-sharing networks for file transfer that you could do some email exchange with. And they saw the opportunity in that. And, I, and I, that's what Roy introduced me to in the 80s and said, look, we've got these, I've used this terminal. It's literally, literally like a like a sort of a typewriter where you put a telephone <laughs> into sort of rubber, rubber cups on the back of it. And then this thermal paper would come out and you could type messages to people. And then multiple people would receive the same message and then they could then message back and send. So you had like a network of people um, exchanging texts, and he did a work, a piece of work he called, um, based on a Roland Barthes um, novel or essay, um, "The Pleasure in the Text," the, the pleating of the, the pleasure of the text, the pleating of the text, and he did this sort of 
exchange. It was like a, like a fairy tale, an online mm-hmm. fairy tale where people would actually write parts of a, of a story. Anyway, he got me interested in this whole idea of, of uh, networked arts practice and the idea that not one person is responsible for for the artwork. That all these people, all these participants, were involved, yes. were involved in it, and they're all equal, have equal um, roles to play. So it's about a dispersed authorship, but it was really about the excitement around what the network might give us. And the, and this is before the internet, so a lot of people really thought this was like this is just this is never going to happen. What's he talking about? What's this? What's this crazy <laughs> idea that we're all spending sitting in front of these these terminals? <laughs> um, oh, so, if only if only they knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I was really I was really excited by his ideas, and I was really yeah. sort of thought, well, what I was most excited about was it was this sudden someone saying to me that that you know the artwork the art object is not is not the core of all of this yeah. so this is not it's not the thing we're concerned with it's it's the process it's the exchange it's the collaboration in it's it's yeah. it's the space in between that it occupies that is so important and i i, I was really really excited by those ideas so I used all sorts of things like fax machines to make artworks and did sort of fax exchanges with different people. And we did a thing, a strange thing called slow scan, which was a kind of video faxing device. It sort of grabbed still images from a from a um, video camera. You could send them as, as kind of high-pitched noises um, and then convert them back into video still images and, and create sequences of images and performances and you know, you know, you could you could take up a gallery space and and connect it with another gallery space, and you could exchange all these things all day uh, for as long as you want for a week. We'd set up a whole kind of networking workstation for a week, and we'd do this whole performance. So it's born out of the kind of fluxus art movement, I guess, and the mm. kind of Dadaesque sort of crazy things we'd do by sending headline newspaper headlines and cutting them up and sending them back and sending pictures to one person then they cut it all up stick it down again and send it back somewhere else and somebody else would cut it up and send but it also also how exciting because it's so new that yeah. you know being at the forefront of something it's such an exciting and, and I mean, Roy sounds like a visionary, you know, in those in those terms. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's how how I would describe him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he 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 to this day he runs a you know part part of a he has a set up a PhD program down in Plymouth, and they do a kind of um, it, it's a whole sort of consciousness reframed and consciousness look re, re, reframing consciousness and ideas around around. Um, the ideas of con- the, the collective conscious experience um so it, it's pretty pretty out there stuff and and i think a lot of people are, uh, are, it, it's i i'm still in contact with him and and we he's still you know he's now in his um i think he's in his late 80s early 90s i would think now so, wow. so um so yeah so, so wow it would be yeah. interesting to uh you know have you talked to him about the advances in in technology at the moment uh, and how that has influenced his yeah well we we get chance to talk on occasional conferences and and, and and meetings online but i think you know we're we're probably catching up we're probably so i see more of him now <laughs> posting <laughs> things online and facebook or something yeah. that's where we probably have our most of our encounters interestingly um yeah. and i think you know i think we today probably just share share a kind of um, 
are just as equally exasperated about the sort of political situation in mm. this country and, and in the world and mm. and just share share those kinds of stories and thoughts those, with yeah. me, I think. Yeah. And there's a yeah. certain kind of you know, I mean I don't I don't want to get into the sort of just yet perhaps, but but there's a certain there was a certain excitement we had when we were doing this work um that I think has been stifled in in more recent years and that's that's so that's a kind of it's not i'm not as optimistic <laughs> as i as i might have been um i still am but but i'm but but it's being thwarted lots of ways and it's quite difficult actually mm. think as a to mm. continue some of these ideas we were really keen on exploring and pushing forward yeah yeah um and you said and you and i love this quote you said Stop thinking about the artworks as objects, but triggers for experiences, and that's something that. Well, I can't. I can't take credit for that because actually, well, I can't either because I can. I can. It's um, it's Brian Eno quoting Roy Ascot. So, oh, so right. okay. I, I mentioned about Brian Eno was also a former student of Roy Ascot's in this in the sort of late late sixties, early seventies, when Roy used to run a course called the Ground Course in in I think it was in Ealing at that time in London and he used to run that course it's called the, and it's a very famous like, sort of 60s art course you could never get away with it today but um <laughs> it was all like right. doing things right. like locking locking your students in a room and turning the lights out for half for, for the afternoon and, <laughs> and then get, get, getting them to talk about it afterwards um as, as you nip, as you nip down to the pub no <laughs> but you probably couldn't do it today but Brian Eno was one of his students and it was oh, Brian wow. Eno talking about Roy and and I, I I and then so it's a kind of Roy Ascot quote quoted by Brian Eno that mm. then um I I completely obviously used that as well because it totally sums up yeah what 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 my thinking about my work because it's it's really within that whole um field of of the idea that you need to stop thinking about artworks as objects yeah stop thinking about them as, as as triggers to experiences yeah um, and it's the experience that's really the important part. And um, and part of your experience or part of your journey um, I wanted to talk to you about was this, um, the, your 1992 Telematic Dreaming Commission and and how that and how did that um, impact on your practice and how did it how did it move you forward? How did you develop from that? What did you learn from that from that commission? Mm. That that's maybe changed your practice, then then subsequently changed your practice, yeah. or developed your practice. Yeah, I mean, it was it's what led to it as well. I think. I mean, so ah. before I'd done that piece of work, I had been really working with um, computer networks and exchanging images and texts, like I was mentioning before, and I was doing a sort of continuation and collaboration with Roy with Roy Ascot, um, and I was I got to the point in the nineties where I was a little bit. I felt I was really interested in this work, and I, but 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 it really was in many ways still still a, a practice that was about connecting connecting artists who had access to these computers, and I, I actually still wanted to I very much and we were presenting those in galleries, so I wanted to actually do a piece of work that I felt I could really do in a gallery that would really involve my the audience, mm. rather than looking rather than observing me as a kind of performer um connecting with other artists or performers exchanging these images and texts 
and, and just seeing this sort of workstation environment, this sort of fluxus happening. I wanted to involve the audience. So I was very lucky to go to fifth after after being in Linz at the Art Electronica in 1991, I was invited out to Finland to show some work that was a networked piece. But I also then was invited to, to do another show in Finland that was sponsored by the Finnish Telecom. And I'm telling you this because it's really, really interesting story and in how this piece, how the piece with the bed developed that that, that allowed me. Um, it was sponsored by the Finnish Telecom who provided, who had at the time in Finland, they, they had some of the most advanced um, fiber optic telephone line networks in, in Europe. So you could send not only we, people were trying to play around with video phones mm. in the in the late 80s, but they were never very good. They were very low resolution and um, very slow and very delayed and very sort of a bit like talking, you know, a bit like moon landing stuff, really. Yeah. So so the fiber optic stuff that, the, that, that, that they were developing in Finland with the Finnish telecom was really advanced stuff. And they had these these lines up and down, up sort of up and down the country. So I did an installation where I linked the, this gallery in the north of Finland to the gallery to a gallery in in Helsinki in the south, um, and it just came about that I decided to, to 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 do an installation involving these two beds, these two queen size beds, mm. which are conveniently two meters by one meter fifty, which is the same aspect ratio as PAL video at the time. Today is terrible. The video today is TV. It's like we're all we're all. Everything's been defined by Hollywood. We're all now yeah. lands landscape format video, which is so yeah. so horrible, really. But at the time, it was <laughs> a lovely sort of sort of nice sort of um, three by four um, video format, and so I could pitch capture an image on a bed with a video camera, and I could send it to to the other gallery, and I could project the exact same image onto the same size bed. So God. in effect. My, my body, it was perfect. <laughs> so my body, which was then life-size on one bed and, and a live character, was then being projected on this other bed at, at the same scale. I didn't intend it to be myself at the first, and I did 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 I but didn't want to be the performer in it. Um, but then it meant that somebody in the other gallery could come in and touch the projection. And because that, there was a camera next to the projector that picked it up and sent it back again, to a series of monitors around my bed. I could see my body in the image, in the screens around the bed, as someone approached it and touched touched my body. And I could then gesture, I could move, I could, I could reflect, I could, I could, I would suddenly, I could, you know, I would play with them. So I would jump, I'd go, oh. Mm. And then I'd sort of try and call them back again. Come back, come back. And 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 just try and create this this sort of um exchange. That was without audio. I couldn't speak to them, so only video. So there was this really unusual sort of body, the projection of this body that they could then touch. They could they could lie down, and they could they could then we could then touch each other's hands, touch their nose, and their mm. <laughs> you know, and they could then put their because there was a projection. My hand could then go across their body. They could put the there was a duvet. There was a big thick white duvet. They they could wrap themselves up in it. So only their head would appear or something. So, so there was lots of possibilities of this agency to emerge that people could then start playing with the materials, playing with this space. And, and I was on a sheet with a blue blanket and I was using chroma keying as well. So I could cut out bits of my body and have just my hand coming yeah. in, just all sorts of parts of my body. And we just, we played and played and people found it very hard at first, they found it very difficult to get into it, and they'd think, "Oh, 
whoa, far too complicated. Public public gallery, you lying on a bed. That's that's way too much. But then people, the minute they minute they try, they got on the space, they were no longer in that public gallery, and neither was I. We were in this but, other space. We were occupying a shared existence. And that again is the perception. Your shift in your perception is creating a different reality, which. Yeah. So you have this perception of one thing, as you said, oh, well, I can't do this. It's too difficult. But then when actually we are physiologically, you know, you're touching with you're touching with your hands, but also you're connecting with your eyes and creating this this interplay between something that's there but isn't there. Mm-hmm. And I and I it is it is a shift of senses. It is a very much a shift of senses. And I talk about touching with 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 my eyes, but I also talk about the ideas of you know the extended body and the ideas of of being able to use um, other objects. You know, if I was to lose my if I was to lose my sight, I could use I would try and use a stick to feel my way to touch things. Mm-hmm. And there's a way of extending my extending my arms through things. Um, there's a way of experiencing the world um, through the apparatus I, I attach myself to, mm. and that's exactly what this is doing. And I'm seeing, my, I'm actually experiencing my body uh, in this other space. Mm. So you know, when someone's, I guess I talked about this, but when when someone's kind of kind of touching, having physical contact, but it, I don't physically feel it but i see yeah, it you see i see it, it yeah. on screen i i feel it on screen as well and um it that's why it's an extremely intimate space because we're we're both seeing that same image actually that's the same thing we're looking at and that's because people could look at the projection but they could also look at images on screen around them on the television screens the same screens i was looking at and that's the later development on from there and also, I was just thinking as you were talking, it must create, because it is very intimate, it must create different levels of emotional interaction and intimacy. And and that in itself is another layer, I think, that is mm. a really interesting uh, uh, thing to investigate. How did you find people interacting were they just so mind blown by the physical kind of orientating themselves physically or did mm. they or did you have very quiet moments how did each interaction well i think i think on the whole i can't say every time because there were there were occasions where people people got a little on very few occasions on the on the whole people treated this space and each other extremely respectfully mm. <laughs> with great yeah. respect and and and, and there was um, a sense of co-experience mm. of, of actually experiences actually learning to experience something together and building a sense of of um of empathy for the other mm. through through this because actually you're you're as vulnerable as the other person is you mm. know you, you are when you're looking at the other you're also looking at the self and, mm. and in that sense that the self is become is also other and and there's a sense of seeing a certain vulnerability in 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 that other that is yourself and i think there's a kind of respectfulness in the encounters because yeah. these are two these are two people we're both we're both responsible for we are those people 
mm. but but we're no we're no different. We we occupy the same space. Um, I'm seeing myself externalized. I'm not I'm not internalizing this 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 experience. So so I'm very much having it on the out having this experience on the outside that I am equally vulnerable. Yeah, uh, and I say vulnerable from the point of view of of the notion of the of the spectacle of the other um yeah. the kind of um the objectification yeah of self and yeah. i think that's that's really where i say it's the vulnerability of it well you're laying putting yourself bare yeah, yeah yeah you're laying yourself bare and also opening yourself to experiencing something that's being viewed by others as you say but but in the moment and responding and being present in the moment is actually incredibly uh frightening for a lot of people because mm. we the, the whole time we always need to know what's mm. going to happen next well and that gives us a sense of safety so without that without the knowledge of oh uh well I want you to do this where you are autonomous and powerful. It is actually a scary thing, a scary mm, thing mm, to, to, mm. to say, well, I hold the power. I'm here. I'm vulnerable, but I also hold the power to determine mm. whatever else happens. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the more you, the more you are there, the more you enter into the space with the other person. And I think it's, it's quite difficult for people to get on, onto the bed to interact but it's equally difficult to get off again. Yes. You're, you're there. You're there then. And actually, that's really what you're no longer in the gallery. You're you're actually occupied with the person who's on screen. Yeah. That's who you're who you're responsible for. And and you can't leave that. It feels an irresponsible move to go away. <laughs> yeah, but it's one that's necessary, isn't it? You have really? to at some point. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, have yeah. to <laughs> you have to have to cut right. Okay, next. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. <laughs> um Oh wow! So so it sounds as though it was a really um, pivotal experience. The whole the whole commission, the whole the whole the whole experience was yeah, really it, pivotal it, in 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 moving you in a particular direction. Absolutely, and it and it all rang true to the sorts of things I'd I'd been working on before with Roy. It felt like. It was very familiar territory. It's exactly, I wouldn't have got there had I not been through that earlier journey of of, of wanting to explore networks and, and collaborative practice. It's that that's what led me there, and it felt very, it felt right doing that kind of video installation and performance piece. And it was starting to open up the, the conversations, and for me was about very much about what what I was previously doing, and so I wanted to stick with it. So yeah. I so I did. And I, I've been doing it ever since, really, <laughs> in yeah. one form or another. I've been yeah. doing it ever since, and 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 in in different kinds of environments and contexts and setups. So so, you know, I've moved through every possible um, bit of furniture I can find to interact with, <laughs> to use as my <laughs> point of interaction. I've moved from onto sofa, from beds to sofas, to sofas to, to, to sitting around tables. To kind of being in the in the shower, you know, I mean, I've yeah. done everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and 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 then I've taken the work into into more kind of public public outdoor locations as well, and try to bring public audiences together in large open spaces. So, well, lots of different, um, that. 
I saw in one of your uh, inaugural in your inaugural lecture uh, in in Brighton there was a a Glastonbury a clip from Glastonbury. That's right. Where yes. you when you were saying you're bringing audiences together. So yeah. can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, how that yeah, worked? Sure. And that was very much a that was a commission. From the uh, by the BBC, and there were a number of artists that were commissioned who were working with digital video and uh, digital media and video. Um, it was in twenty twenty, uh, sorry, two thousand and nine, and it was in the, it was in the run up to the to the sort of cultural Olympiad, and the, the BBC at the time were putting a lot of screens into city centres to, to to give the cup for, for coverage of the Olympics, and um, and the kind of question really was, well, what do we do with these screens afterwards? Um, and uh, how can we use them? And maybe we could ask, you know, look to artists to find innovative ways. So that particular piece was um, was a kind of um, a really convenient opportunity, and it was they chose to, to explore that at Glastonbury. Mm. And um, initially, there was going to be two screens, and we hoped to have two locations. But it was um, one one screen, but with two very large. Um, we put down two large. Um, picnic blankets blue large blue picnic blankets they're about eight by eight meters square wow so you get quite a few people on them and then you had cameras uh on either side of the screen so so on one corner you had the camera picking up the people sitting on one picnic blanket and on the other there was a picking up the people on the other picnic blanket Ah. and you were literally just keying them together and placing them on a kind of virtual picnic blanket and then there were some strange sort of um picnic food was taking off and flying around in front of them kind of <laughs> augmented strange sort of uh glastonbury type things that could happen and um <laughs> and so but you know the thing about that was interesting was that of course with a picnic blanket you know you're simply invite you're invited to um to lie down on the picnic blanket yeah. and just sort of roll around and you know what what's what isn't more glastonbury than that so exactly so, uh, <laughs> wow so wow. that's what we that's how it worked and people really enjoyed it and they played i mean and it was quite interesting from the point of view that people were a little bit baffled by it as well They're like how does this work <laughs> it was yeah. very simple really but um but uh no it's very popular um and um and a lot of fun so it's good, good to explore that but that's dealing with lots of large audiences you know again and uh and but it's, there's intimate moments within that and it's like really watching yeah. the video back i find really interesting but i just want to quickly say that the all the work I do, I, re- I record. I record lots of the out the um, output from these video yeah. installations, and for me, I have a lots of recordings of what I call the line out. The line out. It's kind of like the um, the mix or the program out. If you're if you're mm. a video, if you're a video uh, engineer or producer, the line out is the kind of like what comes out of the mixer. And the line out is what comes out of the mixer, but it's what's on the screen and it's what people are looking at and so when you watch it so you're watching exactly what caused their their response so you're not looking at a kind of camera making a documentary to one side you're looking you're looking you're looking through the eyes of the person who created it really that's how i how (laughs) i put it so there's no other way to say it because because the very image you're looking at is the image they were looking at when they when they decided to make those interactions and participate in those pieces so it's a way of going back in time um and looking at those images and 
I'm so so fascinated by this. You can say the very same thing about looking at the early Lumiere brothers' films yes. or Michelin, yeah. Michelin Kenyon's films. When they went to the factories and filmed people outside the factories and then they'd hand out little notices and they'd say, we're going to be showing the film at the fairground tomorrow, you know, the, 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 the fair, the travelling fair. And people would pile into these tents to watch themselves filmed earlier. And, I, and they're performing to camera, all the time performing to camera. It's incredible. I know exactly those old, uh, they've colorized some of those things some now, have, haven't they? Yeah. And, and that's quite, that's quite unsettling because, yes. uh, it, the people that you're looking at kind of, you know, the 1800s, um, 19th century. Mm. And you're right. The way that they're just looking at the camera waving smiling nudging each other it really it's such it's quite moving oh, it looking is, it at is. those those mm. images of those people because as you say you're seeing what they're seeing mm. and, and once they've done it once they've learned the trick next time they come around yeah. they'll know they'll know yeah okay the camera's on me i'm going to perform i'm going to play something because i know what's going to happen tomorrow yeah. tomorrow everyone's going to see me and everyone's going to laugh <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's so it's so interesting though, isn't it? Because that's the game. When we mm. understand the game, the rules mm. of the game, we are as humans, our, our instinct is to play. Mm. It really is. And I and I and I think this is an integral part, obviously, of your of your work. People being willing to play once they understand the rules of the game are. Oh, I get on the bed. Oh, mm. this happens. Once those they feel safe within those the, the rules of the game, then, then they play. And there's nothing more satisfying than that playing, but also improvisation. It's something mm. I find absolutely fascinating and also incredibly satisfying. Just yeah. playing, understanding. Yeah, sorry. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's a very powerful yeah. way to engage and, and to give to give ownership back to to to, yeah. to to give to give that opportunity away is a really powerful move. And I think that's. I think we're kind of afraid of it. I think we're afraid yeah. of that power, that 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 level of power. And I, and I think, you know, in the time. People that they they tried to make sort of feature films that were just no, just weren't popular. People just didn't want to watch kind of movies of of things. They want to they want to watch themselves. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think there's a lot we can do with it. That uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So <laughs> what would no? What you were saying was fantastic because and that brings me neatly to my final question, which is when you say there's a lot we can do with it, how mm. do you see your telematic practice evolving over the next 30 years? How do you what do you what do you envisage um in mm. terms of keeping this beautiful intimate yet powerful sense of play sense of uh uh autonomy and improvisation how 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 do you mm. think that in the future that will manifest in terms of your work yeah yeah i mean i i think the you know i think what we 
just to sort of answer, I think we, we, the, the next thirty years is so uncertain in lots yeah. of ways. I, I find it, I find it difficult yeah. to be certain about anything over the next, next thirty years. Ne- next thirty minutes. <laughs> next no, thirty right. minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right. but but I think to answer your question, I think um, you know, I don't I don't look I don't, I perhaps don't look at my artwork and think what do I want to do? What do what do mm. how do I want to develop? I think I think what going through the pandemic i kind of i kind of not just the pandemic that's taught me this but but i've always had a a sense of um what 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 can i give back what can i what Mm. can i how could how could i kind of campaign or or um to to promote these kinds of technologies in alternative ways and 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 try and look at where i see the opportunity for um for others to take to, to, to make use of them and I think, you know, I think we have to move beyond the 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 sort of paradigms and models that, that are supplied to us by the kind of tech industry and developers, and, and we have to we have to yes. customize this stuff. Um, we have to get you know, this the whole, as you know, we, we've worked before, Caroline, with 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 outside the frame with, with our projects during the pandemic. And and it was really exciting to see that people's faces when you suddenly say video conference is not just about me looking at you and you looking at me um, like a kind of visual telephone. You know, it, it, it's actually about a portal to another space, a yeah. space where we can coexist, a third space. And that third space is new and and, and is is a space of of performance of 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 huge potential what we can do there and how we can create create and share that space and i think you know on the back of that we all know that we want to we want to be together we want to we want to perform and create together but we can't always do it not just from a pandemic but also Mm. from a kind of um responsibility to to how how much is you know I, I don't want to have to jump on the next long haul flight to do something. And I'm mm. quite, I, I want to, this hasn't, I haven't finished exploring this yet. Mm. I haven't ex- finished exploring what we can do in this new space and how we can perform together and make new kinds of narrative experience together, co-created. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and experiential stuff that is, that is about audiences as well, being part of that. I don't want to suddenly think. Thank, thank goodness the pandemic's over. Let's jump back into the next kind of um, sort of theatre and sit sit in my seat and wait till the lights go out and then wait till the lights come up and told to clap hands and then yeah you know, yeah <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and cough now or bar go to the bar go to the bar have a have an oh, ice what? cream yeah I want yeah. to do what I want when I want and I think that's that's the that's what we what, what people that's the opportunity. But that goes against the grain, and and we're not always. Yeah. So there's a bit of work to do, still. But I think there's a certain there's a certain urgency about it, because um, it's not over. Oh. Um, because the pandemic's over. Yeah. Oh, so. Paul, Paul, fantastic! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. As always, it's always an incredible pleasure speaking to you and and it has been so fascinating listening to you talk about your practice which is fascinating i know because i've been involved in working with you um and that 
was, you know, when we first started working, it, it sort of blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, wow, you could do this and you could do that and you can add all of these things together. So I completely concur. It's it's very far from over. Things are just beginning mm. um, uh, in those terms. And it's really exciting. Um, so I'd just like to thank you again so much for coming to um, talk to me. Uh, it's been wonderful. And I will be putting some links uh, to your work in the show notes. So if people want to find out more about uh, your telematic art, uh, they can do and more about you. And I'm sure they will. And uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you again. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, Real pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Bye bye.